Oh, thank you. It's got a timer on it and everything. Wade is meaningless. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's good to be here. My name is uh, my name is Wade Gallen, and um, I'm going to be speaking today about Ecclesiastes. For those of you who maybe this is your first time here or haven't been in a while, we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes and really digging into some of the uh, all the good stuff that's in there. It's an interesting book. Um, but today we're going to be looking specifically at chapters 9 and 10. Um, but before we dig into that, I did just want to give a quick overview of where we have been. Um, and so we, we learned the first week, right? Ecclesiastes, uh, I think this is on a... Oh, so this one. All right. So chapters 1 and 2, Smoke and Mirrors, that was the title of the sermon. And we learned not to chase after worldly things that are vapor or mist. And there are a lot of things that we can chase after that are really meaningless in and of themselves. Um, Living life backward, where we looked at basically how it's all about relationships and we need to keep the end in mind. Um, Stand in awe was the next one where we learned how we should address God. um, That he is sovereign, he is above all. And we need to have that as we go before him uh, in our minds. Um, How to satisfy our souls, it was all about perspective. And uh, Ecclesiastes is funny, it really is all about the perspective you have on life. Um, So that was great to hear about that. And then we learned about free advice from a wise guy, as Glenn put it. And that is where Solomon really imparts a lot of wisdom. Um, There's tons of wisdom literature in Ecclesiastes and a lot of great proverbs that we can really look to for guidance on life. And so that's kind of where we've been. Personally, for me, uh, I think Ecclesiastes has been a bit of a tough read. You know, I think it is kind of for everybody. But um, I think for me, it definitely has been a little bit more challenging. It's not exactly a book where you can just kind of sit down and cruise through it. As in, you know, okay, that's very clear what he's trying to say. You know, all right, uh, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a pretty clear thing. And I think Glenn's talked about that uh, in the past as well. Um, But for Ecclesiastes... You can't really do it that much, Um, because if you do, you can wind up like Debbie Downer here. For for those who don't know, this is Debbie Downer. She was a recurring character on Saturday Night Live, uh, played by Rachel Dratch, and it was amazing. So funny. They always broke during the sketch, by the way. It was like, it was so hard to, uh, to take it seriously. But the whole thing was she would... They would be talking about something positive, and then all of a sudden she'd come in with, like, and, you know, 100 babies died or something like that. And then it would go, womp, womp, um, and then she'd make that face. So, but if you're reading Ecclesiastes at face value, it can be really easy to kind of be like, oh, man, this is a Debbie, Debbie Downer. You know, it's kind of like a roller coaster ride in the sense that, you know, they'll start talking about something positive or at least something that seems positive, and then it'll just descend into... You know, everything is meaningless. So they'll say, wisdom is great, except it doesn't matter in the end because you're all going to die. Um, and so it's, it's kind of like the Debbie Downer. Um, and it, it's, it's funny. That makes it challenging to go through it. Um, I found that there are a lot of very true observations of the world in this life. Um, but the whole rub of it is that the conclusions that are come to are they're a little suspect, you know, they're problematic when you look at it from a Christian perspective. Um, 
you know, even the fact that, you know, everything is meaningless and we can talk about the interpretation of that word and um, some interpretations actually do mean vanity and meaningless. Um, some of them talk about mist and vapor. Um, and so the conclusions reached from these true observations of the world are not always accurate. Um, and so you can't really take it exactly at face value. You know, something that really stumped me at the beginning was there are all these passages that seem to contradict passages within Ecclesiastes and then also passages outside of Ecclesiastes. So it would talk about how we're no different than the animals, you know. It talks about that, and I think Ecclesiastes 4 or 5. Um, but then you look at the rest of the scripture, and you're like, wait, that doesn't, that's not true. <laughs> and it's pretty crazy, because if you look at it at face value, that's kind of where you get to. is like it's this very negative book. It's kind of like a roller coaster ride. Um, you're not really sure what to make of it or how it applies to the Christian perspective of the fact that there is something after we die. There is, um, the way you live does matter. Um, and so I think what Ecclesiastes, kind of what Glenn alluded to, is it's trying to get you to think about how deep your faith is, but it does it in an unorthodox way when you look at the rest of the scriptures. You know, it doesn't just spoon feed you things. It doesn't just say, you know, like, this is the way you should live. And it's funny, too, because they, you know, the, the Koheleth, or the, they interpret it as teacher or preacher. And I mean, what do, what do good teachers do, right? They don't just say, this is how it is, you know? You need to learn it. Um, a lot of times, good teachers will have a range of tools that they use to teach you something. And one of them is questions, thought-provoking questions. And so it's very true, you know, the, the, what I've come to find the, the whole meaning behind Ecclesiastes is, is it's presenting you with things that make you a little bit uncomfortable um, in the goal that you won't turn away from God, you'll turn closer to God. But it's, it's very different from the way the rest of the Bible kind of presents yeah. that, um, which does make it a bit of a challenge. Um, but it does give you a greater appreciation of your relationship with God when you really meditate on it. Um, get off of Debbie Downer. What we've learned. Um, so yeah, we've learned that it also gives you perspective. It brings up many questions that both the believer and the non-believer wrestle with. Um, I know I've definitely wrestled with a ton of these things. You know, is there anything beyond the grave? Is there anything past this life? Um, do your actions on earth actually have meaning? Uh, does everyone truly share the same fate? These are all questions that I believe most, if not everybody, has wrestled with, even if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, and that's okay. Um, clearly, it's more common than one might think, given that there's a whole book dedicated to it. Yeah. Um, and so it also teaches us to appreciate life, to enjoy life, um, and it teaches us to have an enjoyment that goes beyond the mist and the vapor that we see, um, which is really helpful. Uh, and it also gives you a sense of what life is like without God, apart from God. Um, so with all this in, as I kind of reflect on all that, I found turning to this scripture is really, really helpful for me. Um, this is all scripture. is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. I think the key in this one is useful. Every single scripture is useful for something. And so as we dig deeper in Ecclesiastes, we learn that it is very useful for teaching us truths about God, about our life. And it really helps us to take our faith much deeper than maybe we have before. Um, so 
and also outlined a few themes. These are some of the things that I've seen in Ecclesiastes, and I think this kind of feeds from a lot of what we've already talked about, so I won't get too much into detail on these, but, you know, God is sovereign and so much greater than us. Many of the worldly things we tend to strive after are meaningless. Um, life doesn't always make sense to us, yeah. <laughs> and it is beyond our comprehension, right. and that's okay. That's totally fine. Um, wisdom has a lot of value, and our time on earth is finite, and we will all die. Um, not to be uh, too depressing, but... And then God is present in everything, and I think that this was a really big one. I was looking through all the scriptures where it mentions God and how he has given us, he's given us what we have on this earth. And he's mentioned a lot in here. So clearly the author is not like, oh, I don't believe in God, and I, all I see is all this chance, and everything is vapor. Because he talks about God an awful lot for somebody who would just believe that. Um, so with that, as we kind of keep in mind some of these themes, some of the things that we've already learned, let's, uh, let's dive into Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. Amen. All right. So Ecclesiastes 9, starting in verse 1. So I reflected on all this. Actually, let's back up to 8.16. Um, when I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe man's labor on earth, his eyes not seeing sleep day or night, then I saw all God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all his efforts to search it out, man cannot discover its meaning. Even if the wise man claims he knows, he cannot really comprehend it. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. I just wanted to note the evil. There are a ton of different definitions of evil if you look it up. I just use Blue Letter Bible. It's a website where you can look up um, the original Greek or Hebrew and Greek. And in this case, I think it's more referring to kind of this general nature of things not being completely right in the world. Um, so this is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there's madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. And again, meaningless, we could talk about the translation of that, but I think it's sufficient here. Um, for this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for in the grave where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun, the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Yeah. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. 
as fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom, but nobody remembered that poor man. Again, this is kind of a roller coaster going on. It's like, there's this great guy, and he saved the city, and then nobody remembered him. And you're like, goodness, what is going on here? So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. The the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as he walks along the road, the fool lacks sense and shows everyone how stupid he is. (laughs) Amazing. Um, If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great errors to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in high positions, in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it is charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is consumed by his own lips. Um, At the beginning, his words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and the fool multiplies words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell him what will happen after him? A fool's work wearies him. He does not know the way to town. Woe to you, O land, whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of noble birth, whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. If a man is lazy, the rafters sag. If his hands are idle, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter and wine makes life merry, but money is the answer for everything. Interesting point. Um, Do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird of the air may carry your words And a man on the wing may report what you say. Uh, That's a lot of, that is a lot of scripture. And hopefully I read it with the enthusiasm to make you not lose, uh, not drone off. But um, there, there is just so much in these two chapters. Um, And it's really hard to do it justice in the period of time that we have, you know, however it is, half an hour or 20 minutes. Um, Ecclesia, yeah. So these are some of the themes that we see throughout the, the scriptures here. Life and death don't show favoritism. Um, this is what he says in the very beginning of the book. And he kind of goes on to explain it in verse 9. But he basically says chance happens to everybody. Everybody dies. Um, you know, as it is with a good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is definitely a big theme that we see in this book and even the whole book of Ecclesiastes. Um, we should find enjoyment in life. That is a big theme as well. You know, he talks about it all in verse 9. It says, enjoy your life. Enjoy. Enjoy what God has given you under your, under, in your days on this earth. Wisdom is better than folly. 
Um, that is a huge theme in this passage, and that's what, it's kind of like a Proverbs-ish type of um, breakout as you get into verse, or chapter 10 and the end of verse 9. But it's all about wisdom. Folly is bad, even if you, I feel like that's a different thing than saying wisdom is better than folly. Folly is really bad. And you can see that as you read some of these scriptures, some of these Proverbs about fools. It talks about them in a, a really strong way. And then there's this finality to death. Uh, which is one of the reasons why reading some of this at face value can make you really uncomfortable really quickly. Um, there's, a, uh, there's death that's going to happen, and it's final in a way. Uh, and then be wise when it comes to authority. And this is kind of interesting. Some of the Proverbs in here are more related to your relationship with authority um, than just kind of general Proverbs about life, which I thought was interesting. And so there's all this stuff, and... I feel like we could, t- we could speak a lot about it, but I think I wanted to go over the things that struck me the most as we read this passage. Amen. Um, these are some of the takeaways that I had based on it, and we'll get into each one. We should have sobriety about our lives. Um, you know, the title of this message, I don't know if I even stopped and said it. Stay woke and be wise is the, the, the yeah. title of this lesson. Should have said that at the beginning. Stay woke and be wise. Come on, bro. Yes, so woke. I feel like woke is such an overused word, but it really is a great word. And I, I think we're going to get into it and uh, really talk about what it means in this context. But we should have a sobriety about our lives. I think this... This group of passages really tells us that we should have a sobriety about our lives. You know, do you have a sobriety about your life? Um, We've got to be woke, as I said in this room. Uh, And I actually want to read the definition of woke. Because it is a recent word that's come up, and I feel like it's good to talk about it. So woke, this is Merriam-Webster's definition of woke says in the, in the front, chiefly U.S. slang. So it's kind of like, is it a word? Is it really a word? Or, you know, whatever. But they have a definition, so it must be a real word. Um, so the definition that it gives is aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. Um, so in this context, I think we could use that definition Exactly. You have to be aware of uh, and actively attentive to important facts and issues. And I think Ecclesiastes brings this up in a huge way. You know, how do you wrestle with the beginning of chapter 9? So I reflected on this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. And then it goes on in verse 11 to say, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. This is a very uncomfortable thing to say because it, it's very challenging for us to hear it to hear that there's this element of chance because I think a huge message that gets conveyed, especially in the Christian faith, which is, it's not incorrect, 
but it's that there's always a reason for everything. There's always something going on so that you can make sense of it all. And Ecclesiastes says you can't. <laughs> it says that based on your worldly perspective from what you see, you can't really draw that conclusion that there's always something going on and that this always going to work out in a way that's positive. It's not always a positive thing that happens. It says that there is time and chance that happen to us all. Um, and I think that that's kind of, with being woke, with having an understanding of the way things actually are, that's a huge part of it. You know, as Christians, we need to be okay with that. We need to be kind of okay with the fact that we see a lot of things happening that don't seem to make sense. You know, the whole, the whole thought process is, well, if you're righteous, your life is going to go really well, and you're going to have a lot of good things. And if you're wicked, then you're not going to have good things and your life is going to go bad. And I think sometimes that happens, but it, it doesn't always happen. Um, and I think as Christians, it's okay to embrace that truth and it doesn't have to impact our faith. In fact, it can deepen it. Um, but I think especially, um, I think Christians sometimes, sometimes, not always, but we can kind of be, get a rap of being overly simplistic about Huge problems. Like this is a big, this is a big thing. We see this a lot. You know, how many of you have seen people in your life who have either passed or come under a certain illness, or something crazy happens to them, and you just have no explanation? You can't say, "Oh well, you know, it was because of this, this, and this," or, "You know, I I really prayed hard, but this person still went through this." Or how many examples of that do each of us have in our lives? You know, we see it. And I think everybody sees it. And as Christians, we should be able to accept it, knowing that our faith is not based on what we see here. Right. Our faith is not based on this earthly perspective. Oh, right. It starts off with an understanding of who God is. And then we can look at the world in this way, and it doesn't shake our faith. Right. Yep. We're able to say, you know what? I, I just don't know. I'm not 100% sure why things happen Solomon here clearly thinks that it's beyond our comprehension. Even if we look back at chapter 8, verse 17, it says, Despite all his efforts to search it out, man cannot discover its meaning. Even if a wise man claims he knows, he cannot really comprehend it. So there's this whole idea of like, we can't comprehend certain things. And that's not, that's not bad. That's actually the way it, it is. That's the way life is. You know, we live in a fallen world, and I, um, I think with that just comes this, it, stuff is challenging sometimes, and we don't always have the answer, but we can acknowledge the fact that, that God is still there. Amen. Like I said back in the, uh, in the theme, some of the themes throughout Ecclesiastes and in these chapters as well is that God is always there. He's always in, in the background working in some way. We, we don't have to say, oh, well, there's, there's always a plan behind every single thing and every single... We can say, you know, I know God's working. I know he's there. And I can't explain some of this stuff. But do we engage people on that level? Or do we try and spoon feed people um, really just kind of shallow answers to some of the deep questions that they have and some of the pain that they feel from things that they've gone through in their life? You know, how do we do that? I think we need to be really good at relating to people who have have seen a lot of the stuff that Solomon points out and have come to a different conclusion on what that means for their life. Meaning, you know, I, I see all this pain and therefore I believe there is no God. I think we need to 
to understand where they're coming from and be able to provide a better answer, but it does start with, with not taking a shallow view on things and really embracing things the way they are. Um, so that's one of the things. <laughs> we should have sobriety about our lives. Um, and we need to have a faith that isn't dictated by circumstances or unrealistic expectations of this life. You know, I think this, this message gets sent out a lot, is we should have these unrealistic expectations of the way things are. You know, it, like I said, if prosperity gospel or, you know, you do all the right things and you're always going to be successful no matter what. I feel like even if people acknowledge that they don't believe that, the message is still put out there a lot. And it can kind of permeate our thinking as Christians. You know, we, <laughs> that is not our circumstances and the things that happen in this life don't dictate our faith in God. Um, our faith, you know, faith comes from, from hearing the word. Faith doesn't come from seeing all the things in this world that are wrong. And then, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have met anybody who was like, oh, I see all this craziness in the world and all this pain. I believe in God now because I saw all that stuff. You know, maybe you have. I don't hear a lot of that, though. I, don't, I, I think most people come to the opposite conclusion where they say, oh, I see all this pain in the world. I see all this suffering. I see all this injustice. And therefore, I don't think God exists because why would a loving God ever let this happen? And I think, um, yeah, I, I think we need to have a faith that's deeper and not based on what we see in this world. And if you look through Ecclesiastes, it was interesting. I did a, a quick tally of all the I statements. So like, I viewed this, I did this, I did that. And it kind of gives you the impression of like, wow, our, our perspective can bring us to interesting places if we're not careful. Um, you know, it, our perspective is not the full truth. Yeah. We, we see what we see, but we have a really limited view on things. And only God has the ability to make things right. Um, and I think that can even get tricky too because, you know, we feel sometimes like we need to set things right or like what we can do will change the world so that the world isn't broken anymore. And that's not accurate either. We don't have the power to do that. Now, we should definitely do all we can to, to right the injustices in the world. I believe completely that we need to be active in serving other people the Bible speaks very strongly about serving the poor, um, for speaking up for those who are um, disenfranchised and who have, it's basically all about looking after people. But if we think our, our actions are gonna somehow change the nature of the very world we live in, I think we've gotta be careful with that thinking because you can get really discouraged really quickly when you go out and start actually doing things and you're like, oh man, everything's kind of the same, you know? <laughs> Ecclesiastes talks a lot about that. In chapter one, it's all about the, the continuity, the continual turning of the world. And it's just, it's the same, it's the same. There's nothing new under the sun is what it says. And again, that's, that's okay from a Christian perspective. We don't have to correct the world because we don't have the power to, to correct everything about the fallen world. Again, not that we shouldn't try. We should definitely strive to serve in all the ways that we can. Amen. And we need to be all about that as Christians. But if we think that that's going to change the very nature of the way the world is, I think that might be a bit challenging. Um,
you know, d- uh, deeper faith, I feel like as we read through Ecclesiastes, deeper faith starts with the premise that God exists and desires a relationship with us. And then we can interpret things through that lens. It doesn't start with, oh, I see the world this way, and therefore I'm going to base my faith on that. It starts with hearing the message, hearing the word, knowing who God is, and then approaching the world from that perspective. Um, and to speak on that perspective is powerful. To view life through your own worldly perspective, if you do that, you're going to be left very disappointed, um, which is kind of like a, it's, it's tough, but that's, that's the way it is. You know, if you look at it from your own worldly perspective without reaching outside of that perspective, it's going to leave you disappointed. It's going to leave you kind of meditating on, on these things in the same way, you know. In uh, chapter 9, verse 4, it says, Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. And again, here's some of this like truth mixed in with like a, eh, it's true. We do all meet the same fate in the sense of we all, we all die. Um, but reading through the rest of the Bible and getting perspective from other scriptures, it'll help you see that although a lot of the stuff that's said here is true, there's a fuller truth that can be reached. And again, we have that through our knowledge of Jesus and who he is and what he did for us. And, right. and we can look at that and it's... Um, it's really helpful to look at it in context, in the perspective of the entire body of scriptures. Um, and so another thing that we can find in here is that we should strive to be wise and not foolish. Uh, let's look at some of these foolish passages real quick because they're pretty funny. Um, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, uh, chapter 10, verse 2. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as he walks along the road, the fool lacks sense and shows everyone how stupid he is. Um, it's crazy. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I've seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. Um, let's take a look at some of these other fool passages. Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is consumed by his own lips. At the beginning, his words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness. And the fool multiplies words. Uh, I reflect on the scripture. You should be slow to, li- uh, slow to speak, quick to listen. Um, because it's true. You know, the, you, you multiply words. There's, there's some warning in here that we need to be careful about what we say. And how much we just kind of, you know, gab and talk and stuff like that. Because there's folly in that. Um, and there's a lot of contrast between what's wise and what's foolish. But it, it definitely says that wisdom, wisdom has value. Um, if we look at it in uh, 9 verse 17, the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. There is, there is all this talk about wisdom and how it is really great for this life. Um, and it's also great for, for the life after as well. Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious. You know, these are some of the things that Solomon is saying about wisdom. So I think it's wise for us to heed his advice and strive to be wise. Um, You know, do you know what the Bible says about wisdom? 
Have you ever researched that? Do you feel like you're living as wise through the view of the Bible, not just your own, your own thoughts about things? Because we can get wrapped up in that too, right? We experience things in our life, and we think we know what's best in X situation or Y situation. Do we really consult the Bible? Do we look at what the Bible says is wise? Do we look at what Jesus says, as Glenn talked about in his communion? Or do we just kind of, we're like, yeah, I kind of know, I know what to do here, and I'm not really going to seek input from the Bible or from other people. Mm. You know, how do we handle that? Mm. Yeah. And the last thing, which is also one of the coolest things, <laughs> is we should strive to enjoy the good things in life that God has given us. Come and on. I think God has given us a ton of good things in this life. Amen. James talks about every good and perfect gift comes from above, yep. from the Father of the heavenly lights, who doesn't change like shifting mm. shadows. Mm. Things are good that come from God. Amen. If we look in chapter 9, verse 7, Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine mm. with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do. Mm. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, or husband, I'm sure, or friends, whichever, whichever one applies to you. It's all about relationships, right? So, <laughs> Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life. For this is your lot. Um, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you're going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge and wisdom. So we should be enjoying the things that life has, or that God has given us in this life. You know, what are some of the things that you enjoy about life? Do you even reflect on that? Do you just think every day like, man... This simple thing that I'm doing is enjoyable. Like I was just thinking about it today. You know, what, what can I find joy in today? You know, today is all that's guaranteed to us. So what can I find joy in today? You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, I, I went for a run today and I found great joy in that. I was just running and I'm thinking, man, this is great. The weather's like really great for running. It was like a cool 50 degrees or something like that, which is perfect because then you don't sweat too much or whatever and you... I don't know, it helps me run better. So I was just thinking about it. I'm like, man, I enjoy this. And then I got home and made a big batch of chocolate chip pancakes. And that was amazing. I love chocolate chip pancakes. Pancakes are awesome. And you have to find enjoyment in that. Like chocolate chip pancakes, they're not, it's nothing profound, but that is something that we have, that we've been given. You know, like God has given us the ability to enjoy these amazing things. Whether it's food or relationships, family, um, hobbies, different things that you enjoy doing. What do you enjoy doing? Do you, and even if you don't have the ability to do certain things, do you find enjoyment in the things that you can do? Are you content with what you can do? Um, these are, this is a big question, and I think it's really talked about here and throughout the whole book of Ecclesiastes. And it doesn't mean that they're... Again, this is the truth in it. We're supposed to enjoy our life, but not, it's, it's not like this is it. Yeah. You know, it's not like this is it. Because you read the scriptures in all different types of places and you see, like, that's not, that's not it at all. Jesus talks about a lot of stuff um, that makes you think, no, this isn't it. So we can enjoy life and we can also enjoy what comes next. There's this kind of like double whammy of great things. And so how much do you enjoy what you have, what God has given you. This is our lot right now, is the fact that we can live and we can enjoy what God has given us. Um, and so, let's see what else I've got. Ah, yes. So, 
going back to just the fact that this passage talks a lot about how everybody kind of ends up in the same place. You, there's, not, there's not a way where you can know, if I do this, I'm going to be guaranteed this. And I thought about the scripture in James. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then in verse 12, it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So what does this having stood the test mean? I mean, it obviously is talking about the trial. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. But if you think about it, what is life full of? Life is full of trials. This is talking about our life, having stood the test of life. And I think this illustrates the test really well in Ecclesiastes. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Things happen, and that's a test. And that's God helping us to persevere so that at the end, we will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There are so many parallels between James and Ecclesiastes, it's not even funny. It's like they're the same, not the same person, but it's like they grew up in the same household or they're brothers, brothers from another mother or something like that. It's pretty crazy. There's, um, There's so many parallels between the two books. So that's what I reflect on, too. And then this is a passage that I found to be really insightful and I think definitely is applicable to us. Be, be very careful then how, the, how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be very careful. In that. This is just another, another reason to uh, be wise. Uh, this is it. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great errors to rest. I feel like this is a good scripture to just reflect on, especially in the current times where everybody's anger rises and if, it, if somebody's anger rises against you, what do you do? You get really angry back. You got to like, you got to make your point. You know, you got you to gotta prove that you're right. You got to do, got to do that. But this says calmness, calmness. How often are you calm when people provoke you to anger. When was the last time somebody provoked you to anger? Maybe it hasn't happened in a while, but usually like once a day, somebody does something where I'm like, this is going to provoke me to anger, but calmness, calmness can lay great errors to rest. You know, how often do you, I mean, Jesus said this, he said, turn the other cheek when somebody strikes you. Um, and somebody makes you uh, go a mile, go two miles. You know, there's a sense of, we're called to be, kind of above the anger that presents itself. But so anyway, kind of going back to the point, you know, be woke. I think when we, when we view this life in the world and we see all these things happening around us that don't seem to necessarily make sense, know that they're beyond our comprehension and that's okay. It doesn't need to shake our faith in God. If anything, it's supposed to help us persevere to the end. You know, we're supposed to persevere. So just be woke. You know, don't don't be like, oh, man, all this crazy stuff's happened to me. And I'm a Christian. So I thought that I was immune to this. Or, you know, I thought that, you know, God would at least protect me. Or, you know, I prayed about this and I don't see it being answered. You know, like what what's up with that? I'm a Christian. I should see that. You know, I, I really should see this happen in my life. Um, that's not being woke in this sense, <laughs> in understanding the trueness of 
what this life is and what we as Christians are supposed to do in light of that. I think that we need to have a, a deeper understanding of this world and our faith shouldn't be based on what we see happening around us right. if it's in this negative way that Ecclesiastes is talking about. Um, and then be wise. Be woke and be wise. Um, how wise How wise are you? Do, you? do you know what wisdom is? Do you know what the Bible says about wisdom? Are you striving to be wise? Do you, um, what is it that you are, you are doing currently to attain wisdom? So here are some of the, th- these are the three questions that I came up with. It's actually four. There's two in there, but we'll just call it part A and part B. But, so these are three questions that I would love for you guys to reflect on maybe in the next week. Uh, does your faith and loyalty to God waver based on your circumstances? You know, do- how many times? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. You know, does your faith and loyalty to God waver based on your circumstances? They change all the time. Things can happen. Ecclesiastes shows us that we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. A lot of these things are beyond our comprehension. But does your faith and loyalty to God waver because of that? Or do you persevere through it? Do you... Do you say, okay, there is a lot going on in this world, but I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And whatever's happening here, I'll, I'll be able to reconcile it by turning to them. Do you strive to be wise? And do you know what the Bible teaches about wisdom and how to get it? You know, I think we've looked at some of it today here. Some of it is in this book. And Ecclesiastes has lots of Proverbs in here. But I know Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, has a ton about wisdom. There, you can find wisdom all over the place. And of course, Jesus is the wisest of them all. And right. so if you look to Jesus, you'll, you'll figure out what wisdom is as well. Amen. Um, how often do you rely on your own wisdom rather than the wisdom of God? I think Ecclesiastes presents this cautionary tale about, you know, what, what can happen if we're too focused on the earthly perspective. We don't have the, the full view in mind if we don't have the perspective of God, or at least strive to do that. Um, and if we, we base things on our own perspective, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to, it's not going to go well. So these are the questions that I had for you. Um, and so that is Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. Hope you guys have uh, enjoyed going through that. And yeah, have a good rest of the sermon.